Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, listen. It's safe to say that the events in our world we've experienced over the few months and really over the last week have been really super incredible stressful, don't you think? I mean, it's pretty safe to say that we're like, wow. And you could even go, well, pastor, let's get theological. They're birth pangs. Yeah, they're definitely birth pangs. To say we're living in stressful times, perilous times, times of tribulation, I think would be an understatement. I think we can all feel it in our workplace and in our school and, and just everything around us. We sort of feel like we're in this, this um, pressure cooker. And I don't know if you remember the old day pressure cookers. Now they're fancy, but the old days, it just, there was so much pressure and it just, you just knew it was in there. And sometimes it exploded and whatever you had inside was all over the ceiling and the walls. I mean, in that sense, but, but you can kind of feel that in our world. You can kind of feel the tension in our world. And I think it's safe to say that we are in just some crazy, perilous times. I'm not sure. As we wake up each morning, what we'll find? You go, what do you mean? Well, there's times we wake up and maybe we'll see what's on our phone and we'll say, wow, there's a news alert. There's been another mass shooting. And I'm just like, or church, we'll wake up and we'll see which hurricane hit and is it going to hit and are people going to be killed by this and and we start thinking, what about all the help that they need? Or we'll wake up in the morning and we'll look at our phones and we'll realize there was an 8.1 earthquake. And buildings are falling down on people. And there's nothing we can do and we can feel this. And our hearts go out. Go, Pastor, why do our hearts go out? Guys, because we're, we're, we're believers. We're Christians. And we know that people were made in God's image. And loss of life for us, there's, there's, this, there's what? There's the sanctity in life. We, we look at it and we hold it precious and dear. Lord, what's going what's gonna to happen? And while you're thinking about the earthquakes and while you're, you're wondering what we can do or the hurricanes that hit or whatever it might be, then they kind of let you know that there's some fires burning and, and, and they're out of control. It's pretty safe to say that we're in stressful times. And I believe it was Paul in his letter to Timothy that reminds us that we're living in the last days. Well, pastor, I, I've heard that before. We're living in the last days. I mean, that's, well, well let's, see what, let's see what Paul says to Timothy, okay? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5, you can just listen. But Paul writes to Timothy, he says, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. He says, listen, this is my warning. This is my indication. You want to know when the time clock is running out? Look at the world. You go, what? What is it? Well, it's perilous. Perilous. In the Greek, it's chaleopos. And what it means is to let down in strength dangerous, difficult, or stressful times. Wow. That's what he says. He says, listen, listen, let me read this. But know this, church. What do you mean? He says he's warning us. Know this, that in the last days, there's going to be stress. I feel it. I feel it. You could say we're feeling the stress of everyday life. 
Now, Paul goes on to tell us what this means. He says, first and foremost, men will be lovers of themselves. Hello? Isn't that true? Well, it's all about me. Men will be lovers of themselves. He says, men will be lovers of money. So, they're, so we're going to be selfish. We're going to be all about money. He says they're going to be boasters, proud. They're actually going to be blasphemers, disobedient to parents. These folks are going to be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And you're going, Ben, I think you just described everyone. You just described the world. I mean, if I were to look at my newspaper, I mean, that, that's what we see, right? Why? Well, well, church, listen. We know that it's the almighty dollar that people go after. And it's the almighty dollar that will take something good and corrupt it. You can take anything good and corrupt it. How are we going to heal people? And you see that there will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud. I mean, even look disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Unforgiving? Yeah, I taught a message in Española about, un, about, about forgiveness and how we need to be people that forgive. And as I was talking about unforgiveness, I know it's hard. I know it's hard when we have to go, those who have hurt me, I know I need to forgive. Absolutely. Why? Because here's why. Because the Lord God looked at your life and forgave you, sent his son to die on the cross, and he has complete forgiveness, faithful forgiveness. Can I get an amen? If you truly believe that, then you should be representing the Lord, and you should be willing to forgive. Well, I, I it, yeah, amen. But it's not that easy, is it, church? I got a phone call on Monday, and I had this precious sister tell me, but it's so hard. And she was just crying. How? How do I? This person has hurt me so bad. How? I said, sister, we have to have the attitude to forgive. We have to be ready at a moment. Yes. Yes. Does that mean we hang out and be BFF and go to dinner with those that hurt us? No, but we have to have the attitude to go, Lord, I forgive them. Why? Because you've forgiven me so much. Why? Because forgiven people are forgiving people. But they hurt me. I know. I wonder how many times I hurt the Lord. I mean, don't you get this weird, crazy image that when you plan to sin... None of us plan to sin, but if we do, it's that iniquity where we go, here's the line, I look to the right, and I look to the left, and I look behind me, I'm going, I think this is good, I'm going to... It's iniquity, and we step over. I wonder how many times I feel like I'm nailing Jesus back on the cross. I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't want to do that. Guys, he says, slanderers without self-control. This is all going on in our world. Haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Paul goes on to say, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And he tells us from, from, from such people turn away. So, so he's given us the recipe saying, this is what's going on in the world. Stressful times, church, have come. And the Lord Jesus, he what? He told us about them. He said, be aware, be focused, be ready. This is what's happening. 
You see, it was Jesus who told us in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, he says this, Matthew 24, verse 3 through 8, it says, Now he sat on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and they came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Those are good questions. I'd want to know. Lord, tell us when when all this is going to go down. Well, listen, here's how we got to be careful, okay? Because I think we got a very good uh, wake-up call in September. There's going to be a sign. Okay, and if you do this, this, and here's the thing, it's, it's like, listen, we don't follow signs, do we? We follow the word of God, but still, it can stress people out. But he said this, tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And here's what Jesus said, you ready? Jesus said, okay, you really want to know when all this is going to go down? All right. Here's here's the key. Write this down, guys. He said, take heed that no one deceives you. That's going to be the sign you need to look for. Take heed that no one deceives you. You go, what do you mean? Well, again, guys, if you're in social media at all or you get on the Internet, you realize that there's something called fake news going out, don't you think? Fake news. Now, listen, I grew up in an era, honestly, where I thought that the media was telling me the truth all the time. Right? You, you basically, this is what the news said? Okay, it's gospel truth. And we grow up and now we're in a situation, guys, where there's, hey, and, and you know, um, what can you believe on social media anymore? You can't believe any of it. And if you, and if you stare too long, if you read too much, you, you don't even know what's true. And so Jesus said, hey, guys, don't be deceived. And I think, I think we've got to be careful because social media is notorious for posting things that are not true. Don't be deceived. Jesus says, don't be deceived. Stay true to my word. Stay true to my word. And you go, why? Because Jesus says this, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and I will deceive many. I am the Christ. I think it was Pastor Josh that said two weeks ago, he talked about this guy claiming to be Jesus. And many have come and said, I'm Jesus, follow me. And Jesus is like, no, 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 listen. In the last days, here it is. Listen, this is, you want to know when this is coming? He says, he says, many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and will deceive many. I want you to note the perilous times ahead. What do you mean? Verse 6 says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And you go, yeah, Pastor, listen, Pastor, listen, I dig your enthusiasm in. I'm excited about how excited you are. But we've been hearing wars forever. That's true. But I just kind of looked it up a little bit. And, of course, we didn't, I don't know if you know this or not, and I don't want to ruin your day, but North Korea actually declared war against us. I don't know if you knew that. You're like, what? As a matter of fact, it was a few days ago that they shot missiles over Japan, Right? On September 26, 2017, they declared war against the United States. Now, let me give you a disclaimer, okay, before you run out of here going, bomb shelter! North Korea has declared war over 200 times in the past 20 years. But it's still what? It's still a war, right? And it's still rumors of war. It's, that, it's like that one bully in your neighborhood 
Or that one that would be like, I'm going to beat you up. I and you're like, yeah, I've heard that. I'm walking home. And then one day he decides to, boom. You're going, wow, the one day I didn't pay attention is the one day he, we have to take every threat seriously, don't you think? And so he says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. And guys, we're going to hear of wars and a lot of rumors. We're going to hear more and more and more. Now, for, for my prophecy students, I'm just going to give you a side note, okay? Keep your eyes on Iran. Just keep your eyes on Iran. You go, why? Because it's, North Korea is just a detour to what Iran is doing. So just keep your eye on that. You go, what else? Keep your eyes on Russia. Russia is a big player right now. He's a big player in prophecy. Ezekiel 38, 39, keep your eye on that. Also, if you're taking notes, guys, I would jot down this name. His name is Emmanuel Marcon. He is the president of France. I would keep my eye on him. We go, why? He just fits a pretty good bill for what God has already given us in his word. I mean, think about his name. What does his name mean, Emmanuel? God with us, which is really weird, right? Because the Antichrist is going to come. Pastor, are you saying he's the Antichrist? I'm not saying he's the Antichrist. Don't send me an email. I'm telling you, these are just my prophecy students in here. Just kind of, huh. Let me just Google him when I get a chance. Jesus tells us, church, see that you are not troubled. Why? Don't be troubled. He says, for all all these things must come to pass, but the end is not Yet, so what did we see? When we start feeling stress and we start seeing wars and rumors of wars, he says, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. Okay? Because he says, these things have to come to pass. They have to. So when we see him, guys, we should just go, okay, hold on. Right? Hold on. Um, I like flying in an airplane. Okay? I love the acceleration. And, and I always obey the rules. And when they say, Put on that seatbelt. I put it on even though knowing this little seatbelt is not going to save me in this giant airplane. You know what I'm talking about? And it's not designed to save you from falling from 30,000 feet. What it's designed to save you is just to keep you in your seat from going really, really fast. Right now, guys, the flight attendant is saying, okay, get your seatbelts on. It's going to go, it's about to get really fast. It's about to get really fast, but hold on. It's not, we're, we're going to get up in the air here in just a minute, but we got to be ready. So we're all going, click, click, okay. I'm excited. Why? As believers, guys, we should be excited about the things that are happening. We should be, we should be looking and just going, wow, Lord, we are a part of what God is doing. We're not sitting back in spectators. You realize that. Spectators are like, like oh, that's going to happen. We're like, we're in it. He's using us as players. And you need to raise your hand and say, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Put me in. What, what can I do? I'm ready. Well, well, what do you need? And God has gifted each one of you in a special and unique way that he wants to put you in and he wants to use you. You go, like what? He wants to use you at your job. He wants you to shine the light. He wants you to be bold. He wants you to take that step. God wants you to do that. Why? Put me in. I'm ready. Seatbelt's gone. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Jesus says, guys, 
See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Why? He says, verse 7, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famine, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Did you realize that the word nation there in the Greek is ethnos, and where we get ethnic, or we get race, different races. So you're going, what are you saying? That different races are going to rise up against different races. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's happening. It sure is. And it's been happening for a long time. But Jesus said, the disciples said, in the last days, you're going to see this even more. You're going to see this even more. And he says, kingdom will rise against kingdom, country against country. I can take you. I can take you. He says, this is going to happen. He says, there's going to be famines. We hear about that. Or do we, church? Not a whole lot, do we? What about pestilences, earthquakes, in various places? And he says, these are the beginning of sorrows. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here's my point, guys. We are living in all that Jesus said. We're living in what he calls the last days. Why? Because these are super stressful times. Now, Pastor, you painted a very, very dark picture. Well, here's my point. In order for news to be good, church, it has to invade dark spaces. It has to invade bad spaces. So the picture I painted of us in, a, in this dark place we call home, so with all that's going on, Here's what my thought is. What a wonderful opportunity to shine the light of the gospel in a dark world. Listen, everybody's talking about the shooting that happened in a concert. What a wonderful opportunity for us to share the hope that we have in Jesus. Everybody's talking about it. We're praying. And we're asking God, and I got to be honest with you, I love music just as much as the next guy. And, and if I like country music, I might have be there. So are some of you might be there. Hey, I really like the way he plays music. Music is in us. But you go, what's the point, Pastor? Here it is, guys. Listen, some of us could be there having a good time, you know, just listening to the music and then be walking into eternity. And so my point is really, really simple. I want to live. I want to live my life for Jesus. And I don't think Jesus is going, listen, you're listening to country music, you're not coming. You're not coming to heaven. I mean, that's, you, you see, we've got to be careful when we start drawing lines and start saying, this is what God likes and doesn't like. But what I'm saying to you guys is that, listen, for us in Lubbock, Texas, it may not be a concert. It might be somewhere else. And we have to be ready. We have to be ready. We're living in a dark, dark world. And I want this to be an opportunity to shine the light of the gospel. To shine the light. You know, what does this have to do with Psalm 111? Well, church, in Psalm 111, we discover that the writer of the hymn was experiencing the same stressful world we live in. 
That's why he wrote it. Now, now let me give you some background on it, okay? Life, life was not easy when the Jewish remnant returned to Jerusalem after their exile from Babylon, okay? Here's what I find. We're going to learn this in the book of Ezra. Do you realize that when God allowed Israel to go back to Jerusalem, to the home where they worship, where God was there, there's no temple, there's no walls, but only 50,000 went back and a million stayed in Babylon. That blew my mind. You see, the Lord, 70 years earlier, the Lord told him, listen, you're going to go into captivity, make the best of it. But they made the very best of it that when God said, hey, you want to go home? God, no, I'm good here. I got everything in the world I need. Only 50,000 said, are you kidding me? This is not my home. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. Now, this is just my opinion. I am standing way over, over here. But doesn't that sound like doesn't that sound like our world today? There's a lot of people very comfortable in Babylon, and there's only very few going, I'm ready to walk for you, Jesus. I'm ready to live for you. I'm ready to lay down my life for you. You mean more to me than anything. Time out, Pastor. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen. My wife and my kids, they mean more to me than anything. Well, okay, hold on. Now listen, Here, here's, here's the beautiful thing about Christ. When you put him as ultimate, those relationships, guys, will flourish more than anything you could ever imagine. You're going to love your babies the way Christ loves them. You're going to love your wife the way Christ loves her. You're going to love your husband the way, the way God intended the problem is that when we come to Romans, you guys know what it says. What does it say? We have a very good habit of reversing the creative order. We've taken something, we've taken the creature, and we've begun worshiping the creature rather than the creator of all of this. It was Tim Keller in his book that says our hearts are idol factories, and I'm sure he got it from someone else. But here's what we do, guys. We want to be careful that we don't take that and make it ultimate. We want to worship God, and he needs to be ultimate. And then watch your relationships. They'll just flourish. They'll flourish. Life. Guys, life in Babylon, from Babylon back in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was, was very stressful for them. You know what do you mean? Well, their neighbors, guys, were often hostile toward them. Right? They're often attacking them. Can you imagine going back? Hey, we're going home. Okay. But we have no wall to protect us. What do we do? All right. You take first watch. I'll take. I mean, they're scared, right? I mean, the government, the Persian government, the Persian officials that were supposed to help, they didn't always cooperate. Not to mention, the economic situation was very, very difficult. Guys, if you recall, in our Nehemiah study, we learned that life was extremely stressful. Even to the point where Nehemiah had rebuked the leaders and rebuked the Jewish people for charging outrageous interests. He's like, guys, stop it! People are selling their land and couldn't get it back, and it was stressful, and people were just, they were freaking out, and they're just... 
Well, in the book of Ezra, we discover and dissect some of the problems going on to the point that the Jews were not always faithful to the Lord. And so this is what's going on as the psalmist writes this. As we approach this psalm, guys, we learn that it was written by one of the Levites that reminded people that when times of stress come, he says, put the Lord first and trust him to meet every need. When you are stressed out, when you wake up, and of course, there's very few who read the paper anymore. I mean, we, we get on the internet and that's our paper. But when we do that and we get stressed and we wonder, how's this going to be? And, and it, let, let me even sidestep for that just a moment. Not even, not even the internet, not even what's happening in the world, but what's happening in your own little world. When you go to the mailbox and you know there's going to be several bills that you can't pay. Right? I just write return to sender on all of them and say, I'm not here. It's not, don't do that. I'm just kidding. He moved, right? <laughs> but what the psalmist tells us, guys, is he says this. Listen, when those times of stress come, and can I get an amen on that? He says, put the Lord first. Put the Lord first. Trust him. And I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, put the Lord first. It reminded me of this story. Let me share this story with you. It was in early 1990, uh, several university professors passed out copies of the Ten Commandments to students. And here's, here's his assignment. He asked them to arrange the commandments in order of importance to them. Over 90% of the students rearranged the commandments and placed the commandments dealing with man's relationship to his fellow man above the commandments dealing with man's relationship to God. You're like, what? What do you mean? In other words, they got the Ten Commandments and they put themselves first and their relationship to God last. Maybe some of them looked and said, do not murder is good. Let's put that number one. I don't want nobody killing me. And how about do not steal? And they missed it, guys. They missed it. Why? Because again, here, here's the thing. It's, is that they, were, they put themselves first and their relationship to God last. And yet it's the very first commandment that tells us this. I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. In verse 3 says, you must not have any other God before me. That word before means face to face. Don't take anything else ahead of me. So the very first commandment, the very first rule is we should love Jesus more than anything in this whole wide world. More than anything. Because if we love anything else more than Jesus, we're making it, help me church, an idol. Are we not? Oh, I can't believe that. can't believe that. What is an idol? An idol is taking even something good and making it ultimate. Even if it's good, even if you have a good relationship with your spouse, even if it's like, wow, this is good, this is amazing, wow, I love her, and you've taken it and you put it up, then you begin to find your peace and joy where? In your spouse and not in who God is.
If you're taking notes, church, this evening, I'm calling this message, when life gets tough, we need to praise the Lord. When life gets tough, we need to praise the Lord. For tonight, we learn in the midst of stress and tribulations, the psalmist runs to God and gives him praise. Now, also, guys, there are going to be four instructions to follow that if we're going to enjoy the blessing of the Lord when life gets really hard and tough, and I want the blessing, so I need, I need these instructions. So keep this in mind. When we wake up to tragedies, like we've heard this past week, a super hard week, we pray for all the families involved. When we hear about earthquakes that claim, to live, claim lives and hurt our hearts. But when this happens, we need to remember that we still have a God who loves and cares for his people. And Psalm 111 is, is our final playlist song as remember the Lord and his goodness. Psalm 111, okay? So, when life gets hard... Okay, everybody say that with me. When life gets hard, number one, you ready? Jot this down. Begin with worship and praise. When life gets hard, the first thing we need to do is worship and praise. Now, I know, I know, I know that is probably the hardest thing any of us to do when life gets really tough. You want me just to start worshiping? You mean you just start praising God? My life is falling apart, dude. I've got to fix this. I've got to make some phone calls. I've got to get out and pound the pavement. I've got to... What do I got to do? I've got to call the doctors. Huh? The Lord says, no, no, no. Here's what he says. When life gets hard, begin with worship. Look at verse 1. The psalmist writes, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Guys, the psalmist resolves first and foremost a lesson that I need to learn is that is when life gets stressful and life gets hard, I need to run to Jesus and I still have a hard time doing it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I still struggle with going, I just need to run to God and get on my knees and worship. And just praise him for who he is. That's what the psalmist says. Despite what's happening around him. Let me let you in a little secret. And see, see if anybody's with me. One of the reasons that I stress or get stressed about what's happening in the world is I have want to control it and I can't. Why are we stressed with a shooter and, and, and innocent people dying? Because we can't control what happened. And you're going to get the reports, church. Let me just shoot straight with you, man. Let me just be honest. This should be a safe zone. Let me just shoot straight with you. You're going to get a lot of people who go, well, God can. God could have stopped that. But here's my thought, guys. Listen, I know Jesus is right there, but let me say this. Love isn't love if there's not free will. And God has given us a free will in this earth to love him and follow him and serve him. And sometimes there are people who exercise their free will for evil. It happened in the Bible, right? I mean, Jesus talked about this. And so the psalmist says, okay, 
I'm going to praise the Lord despite what's happening. I don't want to control it. I'm just going to praise you, God. And if you're taking note, here's what I want you to jot down. The psalmist implies two different words for praise. I found it interesting, right? He says, praise the Lord, and then he uses, I will praise. And I thought, well, it's the same word. No, no, it's two different words. You go, why? Well, the first one is halal. It basically means to clear, to shine, or to boast. He says, I will halal the Lord. I will just shout it. I'm going to clear it. Everybody's going to know I'm praising the Lord. You go, what's the second one? Well, the second one is yada, and it means to use hands in or, or to, to bring expressions to lift up our hands. Lift up our hands. You guys with me? So, in the Hebrew, the word translated praise the Lord is hallelujah. When you say hallelujah or praise the Lord, we better be meaning it. Right? Hey, man. This and this, such and such happened. Praise the Lord. You better mean it. You better mean it, right? Because it's hallelujah. It's like this is what's going on. It's bestowing. It's, it's bestowing, boasting, and honor to God. Let's, let's be careful. Why? Because when we say praise the Lord, we don't want to just say praise the Lord because, because it's the cool thing to do. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We better be, listen, what you're going through, what, what's happening in your life? All honor goes to God. All honor goes to God. I gave my life to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Are you serious? Why? You don't understand. You're a world changer now, man. God's going to do incredible things if you'll let him. I don't know about you, church, but I don't know how many of you would, would just agree with me and say, listen, listen, we're, we, we want to see as many babies born, as many Christians born again, but we don't want to keep them that way. We want to grow them up and send them out. Amen. We have work to do. Pastor, look around. There's not a whole lot of people here. You know what we could do with this? So the psalmist declares. Now, here's what you need to grasp, guys. He says, he says this. The psalmist declares that he will praise God both privately and openly. And he will praise them from the heart. So both, both he's saying this, guys. He's saying, not only am I going to praise him, Privately, I'm going to praise him openly. He's like, wow. <laughs> and, I, and, he, and he says this. Notice he says, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart. You go, why? Well, this implies the inner person. This implies who you are on the inside. In other words, jot this down, right? God is not fooled by our external worship. Just me? How many, how many times have we closed our eyes? Bless the Lord, oh my. And, and you got your hands up and you made it. It's just like outside. But inside you're like, I'm so hungry right now. I could eat a pizza all by myself. I wonder how long this is going to be. You know, I mean, we just, we're not even here. Sometimes we're worshiping God and we're like, I have a lot of reports to do tomorrow. Oh, and, and, and externally, we're worshiping the Lord, but God knows our heart. And that's what he's saying. David's like, no, 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 you know my heart, God. I'm going to 
Pastor, what's, what, 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 what's the point? What's the point? Listen, worship starts in the heart and then moves out. Worship always starts in the heart and moves out. That's what starts in the heart. And then you have that extension of what's going on. Guys, one of our prayers here at the church, guys, is that we would understand this. You ready? That we would understand that discipline rarely brings about love. But love always brings about discipline. You go, what, is that? what does that mean exactly? Guys, at times we can be disciplined and say, I'm going to do this for you, Jesus. But that rarely brings about love. But love always brings about discipline. We need to worship first in our hearts, and true praise comes from our hearts. That's what he's saying. And what's he saying? He's saying, in the, in the assembly, where am I going to do this? I'm going to do this in church, in the assembly of the upright. I'm going to do this in church. I'm going to do this in church. Why? I'm, I just, the problem is, guys, is that the word praise means an extension of your hands like this. And the problem is that we've been taught, oh, don't, don't, careful. And so you'll have people, you'll, they'll be worshiping like this because they're afraid. Or they've been taught you don't make an expression or you don't do anything. And yet God says, you know what? Lift up your hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You want a real quick lesson on on hand-holding? Okay? Real quick lesson. If you're going to praise the Lord, pretend you're carrying a TV. I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. (laughs) You guys are like, seriously? If you want a bigger TV, that's not right. That's not right. Carry a big TV if you really, you know. Just lift up your hands. Just lift up your hands. In verses 2 to 9, guys, we're going to see God's work. And they're going to be mentioned five times. Okay? Everybody together, when life gets hard, okay? One, two, three. When life gets hard, second instruction, remember God's great works. Remember God's great works. In Psalm 111, verse 2, he says, The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. What's he saying, guys? That God should be praised for all that he is, but all that he has done is praiseworthy. Here the emphasis is on the work. It's really on the work of creation. So he's saying, listen, all of this is the work of creation. These works are great in their number and in their significance. And here's my point, guys. Think about this. When we focus on the Lord and the works of the Lord, we quickly determine that he, in fact, is God. And just alone, looking at creation, we can praise him. Just looking at that. And you go, Pastor, how? Okay, let me give you this, okay? Ready? Everybody just breathe one time. Do you realize that he's the one who created oxygen? I mean, think about it, right? This is how we live. Try living without oxygen for one day. You know, Pastor, that's silly. We would die. Exactly. You have enough to praise him right there. You have enough to praise him. How many of you in this room have been telling your heart to beat since you got here? I don't even think about it, right? I don't even think about it. I just go, I just go about breathing. Listen, 
It's his oxygen, is it not? <laughs> it's his. He lets me use it. <sighs> Man, I'm never going to take that for granted again. Praise the Lord, he says. He says, his works are honorable and glorious, verse 3, and his righteousness endures forever. Now, literally, it says, honor and glory are his work. That is, all that he does is honorable and glorious. The language would cover all that God does in the works of creation, providence, and in redemption. Redemption. And so what the psalmist says is, you don't understand, he is, he is, his righteousness endures forever. He says, man, when life gets hard, I'm just praising him. I'm praising his works. And his works goes in, his works are part of creation and even part of the redemptive process. He says, verse 4, he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his words in giving them their heritage of a nation. You go, Pastor, what is he saying? He causes us to remember his works. Guys, we see that. He causes us to remember who he is and how gracious and merciful is the Lord. And he says, as a matter of fact, let's talk about full of grace and compassion. He says, towards his people, and it appears from his works. And he writes something here that I find very interesting. He says, he has given food to all those who fear him. Perhaps the psalmist had in mind God's provision of Israel through the wilderness, right? God provided the manna, supernatural, every morning. Every morning, God took care of it. Look again at verse 6. He has declared his people to his people the power of his works in giving him the heritage and the nation. God does not manifest his power for the sake of showing off. He channels it into purposeful acts to benefit his people. For this reason, God does not always perform miracles. He has specific purposes to accomplish and reveal his power only when his people will benefit. You go, what does that mean? Guys, there are times we pray for a miracle and the Lord says, no. And we go, wow, why, God, why? And we won't know until that side of heaven. But we understand he declared to his people the power of his works and giving them the heritage of his nations. I mean, guys, what do we do? Listen, when life gets hard, when life gets hard, we remember who God is and his works that he's done. Now, the psalmist is talking about creation. The psalmist is talking about redemption. But let me tell you this, guys. I want you to take a moment and I want you to think all that he's done in your life. Think about the big blessings and the little blessings. Think about where he's met you along the way. Think about the places, guys, where... If Jesus hadn't stepped in, you might have died. Think about the blessings. In our society, in our society, church, we get, we're just bombarded with so much negative. We're always told about all the bad stuff. 
And I want to I focus on his blessings, right? What, what's that song, Count Your Blessings? You need to count your blessings. If you can count them and think, wow, what's my blessing? I mean, how many of us honestly get in the shower and say, thank you, Lord, I have a shower. I have water coming down. Thank you for my house, Lord. I don't deserve this. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I ate today. Thank you for food. Thank you for protecting me. My daughter was telling me about, about just how God protected her yesterday and how something had happened at home and, and it put her back 20 minutes from her normal routine and 20 minutes later she drives up and there was this huge accident that seemed that would have been, she would, might have been right in the middle of that. And we go, you know what? Praise the Lord. Not for the accident. We pray for people because that happened to somebody and that's real. We count our blessings. We count our blessings. We count our blessings. We count our blessings when it rains, even when it rains for a week and a half. There's one, only one. We count our blessings when the sun's come out tomorrow. Guys, listen, that's what he's saying. When life gets hard, what are we doing? Don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. Let me give you a positive on, to, on this, this past week's tragedy. Jesus was right in the middle of those people. You know it. You know Jesus was there. And I know angels were taking bullets. Third instruction, guys. We need to we'll get going here. Okay, all together, one, two, three. When life gets hard, let's try this again. We need to rely on God's word. We need to rely on God's word. Verse 7. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. Guys, what God does is true and fair, and what he commands is settled. His precepts are sure. What do you mean? Here's what I want you to see. He is no fickle ruler, commanding one thing one day and another, but his commands remain absolutely unaltered. They are necessary, the necessity, equality, unquestionable, their excellence, uh, permanently proven, and their reward eternally secure, quote Charles Spurgeon. That's what he says. When life gets hard, guys, we rely on what? The news. No. Each other. No. On the word of God. Verse 8. They stand forever and ever. They are done in truth and righteousness. Guys, both his works and his word. Think about Isaiah 48. It says this. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. What does? The word of the Lord stands forever. Matthew 5, 18. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle by will no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. What's he saying? Guys, we need to make sure that the word of God is our foundation. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that do you believe the word of God completely? 
I want a foundation that I can believe in. And here's the thing. When God tells me that his covenants are true and that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that I can be born again and that I have a place in heaven and that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I believe it. I believe it. I don't have to worry. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to be... This verse is telling us, guys, that the Lord is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. And his commandments never change. Verse 9 says, He has sent a redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Right? You guys know that the Israelites... God's name is so awesome that they could not speak the, the, the term, right? They could not speak Yahweh out loud, so they substituted Adonai. They couldn't say it, lest they invertedly blaspheme God's holy name. So they would come by and they'd be like, and they'd just have to insert. Some they would even just stay silent. Why? Because the name, there's power in his name. That's why it rubs you the wrong way when somebody uses our Lord and Savior in an awful, ugly, demeaning way. Because God doesn't damn people. And we take serious issue because there's power and there's saving power in the name of Jesus. And if you don't believe me, Go into a public arena and try praying in the name of Jesus. Listen, you can pray in the name of God because God can be anything to you. Sir, please don't say the name of Jesus. I'm going to say the name of Jesus. Okay, last point, guys. When life gets hard, you ready? One, two, three. Obey his will, verse 10. Obey his will. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever, forever. The psalmist wrote, guys, I mean, just think about it. He's saying, listen to us. He's saying, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is good understanding to all those. And he says, his praise endures. So when life gets hard and we see stress and we wake up tomorrow morning, guys, Our hearts are just to obey his will. His will. So what do we do, Pastor? We're about to enter into communion, guys. And here's what I want you to see. Life is going to get hard. It's going to be struggle. There won't... This this is the world we live in. When life gets really tough, I want to do what the psalmist tells me to do. I want to worship first. Wherever I am, guys, I want to, I want to drop to my knees and worship the God of, who created me for all that he is and all that he's done. When we see evil in the world, guys, it's not, it doesn't take God by surprise. He's working out his plan, and his plan of redemption is sure. When things get really tough in life and you feel like you just can't go on, remember his works. Remember how powerful he is in creation. And sometimes we go, God, why won't you do this? I don't understand. But we still keep walking and we still keep trusting. And when life gets really tough, church, remember this. We rely on his word, trusting in his covenant. We rely on his word. 
Search the word, search the word, find the word. If you're struggling with salvation, man, you just, Ephesians chapter 2, for you've been saved by grace through faith. And not of yourself, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If you're struggling with temptations, 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation is overcoming you except such as common to man. But with that temptation, he will give you a way of escape. Oh, good, okay. So, so nothing is new, nothing's new. We're relying on his word. And um, in Santos's, in, in, in the discipleship class, you're required to memorize scripture. Why? Because David said, thy word I have hid in my heart, so I won't sin against you, but you'll have his word. And sometimes, church, listen, you're going to be the only Bible your friends will ever read. And last, when life gets really tough, guys, we will obey his will. His will. As we approach communion, guys, I think there's those same four instructions apply. You go, how so? Well, guys, as we worship the Lord, he wants us to look within our hearts. He wants us to look. Worship will always bring out what's in our heart. When we come to the table, we say, Lord, I just... I just want to worship you for a few minutes. I just want to see how, how are things between us and confess those things that need to confess. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. The second instruction is when it comes to communion, church, is, is I think we need to look back at our lives and see how God has shown himself faithful, right? You go, what would that be? Remember his works. Think about how he saved you. Think about what, all the blessings he's given you. I mean, I mean that's, what he told, that's what he told the kids. And he says, man, listen, in, in, in the book of Exodus, he says, make sure you tell your kids everything I've done. You bring them up. Dad, you need to quit telling me about Jesus. I can't. I can't. You don't understand. If it wasn't for Jesus, you'd be visiting me in my grave. I can't tell I've got to tell you. He's my everything. Number three, one day we're going to look forward, guys. One day. Jesus said he's not going to do this until we're with him in the kingdom. And so we're looking forward to that one day when we're all together. Here's my hope. My hope is that nobody in this room and nobody listening by podcasts and nobody listening by radio would take their final breath on earth, but we'd all be, we'd all be going together. We'd be all looking up one day and... And he would just be, come on up here. Hey, I got the table ready. Yes. And so as we take communion, we're still going to do that here because that hasn't happened. And so we want to rely on his word and we want to look forward to what he wants to do when we're with him in heaven. And then as Josh leads us in worship, our final instruction is obey him. What's that? And get up, come to the table, and obey him. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. And we love you, Jesus. We thank you for our last psalm. And we pray, Lord, that you would do a work here. And all these instructions we learn, Lord. It is a dark world, but you're the light. And Lord, when you shine the light, that's the best way to expel the dark. Turn on the light. We love you, Lord.
Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.